You've got a good idea. You know it could make a crucial difference for you, your organization, your community. You present it to the group, but get confounding questions, inane comments, and verbal bullets in return. Before you know what's happened, your idea is dead, shot down. You're furious. Everyone is lost. Those who would have benefited from your proposal, you, your company, perhaps even the country. This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. This is a show for leaders about taking leadership to the next level. If you desire to learn to be a better leader, this podcast is for you. I promise to give you practical leadership tips you can use right away. My passion is to help you lead more effectively. In this episode, we're going to be talking about what I call the buy-in curve. The likelihood that people will or will not buy in to your ideas. And I develop in this podcast, you'll hear today, the five different kinds of people and where they fit on the buy-in curve. Let me just give you a quote of the show here. Many organizations have informal gatekeepers that tie the group to the past and powerfully resist any attempts to radically change things. That's my leadership quote for the show. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you as my listener today. You know, speaking of listeners, I've been doing a survey of uh, kind of compiling a list of all the different kinds of people in the different walks of life and professions that listen to my show. Here's a small list of what I've got so far, and I hope to hear from you so I can keep adding to my list. Small business owners, managers and directors in small businesses, mothers, dads, and I mention that always because that's one of the greatest jobs of leadership is to lead children. People from law enforcement, teachers, school administrators, a couple of principals, vice presidents in businesses, CEOs, pastors, ministry staff leaders, and sales representatives. That's my list so far. I hope you'll help me add to that list. If I didn't cover your profession in that list, would you let me know? Just contact me at HansFinzel.com. I do have a special offer for one of my books that I'm willing to send you an autographed copy of my book. I'll tell you about that offer a little bit later in the show, so stay tuned and you'll hear about that offer. Welcome to Podcast 43, The Buy-In Curve. The buy-in curve. How many times have we floated a great idea and it was dead on arrival? Either we floated it and other people killed it, or we were part of the masses that killed the great idea of somebody else. I want to recommend a great book to you by one of my favorite authors, John Cotter. And the name of the book is called The Buy-In Book by John Cotter. And what he does in this brief, easy-to-read book is gives you four general ways in which your good ideas get shot down. And he offers ways to sort of present the ideas in ways that they will actually get buy-in instead of being shot down. So a great resource that I highly recommend. Buy-in by John Cotter. Well, we're all on this curve somewhere. You know, I have a number of interesting people that have worked for me, and I think about one guy that worked for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you know his name. His name is Blake, and he listens to the podcast. Uh, he doesn't work for me anymore. He he moved back to Chicago. But Blake was one of those people. He was in charge of our whole operation, our building, our uh, campus, the beautiful facility that we built out here in Colorado. And Blake was the kind of guy that I could go to him with any idea. 
and he was an early adopter. I mean, I could go and say to Blake, hey, Blake, let's go jump off that mountain tomorrow. He'd say, I'm in. What time do you want to meet? (laughs) I have never floated an idea to him that he shot down. It's not that he eventually adopted all the ideas, but I love the spirit. Uh, Don't get me wrong. He wasn't passive and he wasn't just a yes person. Do not surround yourself with yes people. Very strongly opinionated person, very gifted person. But I love the fact that he was my go-to guy for change. He never met a cool idea that he heard from me that he didn't at least consider. That was Blake. Now let me tell you about another person, and I'm not going to give you this person's name, so let's call them Jack. So Jack was uh, the other kind of person that I had to work with, and we have to work with all kinds of people. You know, you have to play the cards you're dealt. Somebody asked me the other day, what if I have to supervise somebody that just is very hard to supervise, and they're just not that competent, and and it's hard for me to delegate to them, and and, uh, it's just a tough relationship. And I say, you know, sometimes we have to work with people like that, especially if you're in education, government, even in some nonprofit places, even in business, you know, you'll you'll be forced to work with people sometimes that you don't have a great chemistry with. And this particular person, Jack, we didn't have great chemistry. And, and I was reluctant to ever talk to him about my new ideas because I knew I'd get a sense that he'd be against them. If it was new, forget it. Because actually Jack's attitude was everything is fine. It ain't broke. Don't rock the boat, etc., etc., etc. It seems to me that this person never met a new idea that he actually liked and that he would let into the door. So you can guess who I enjoy being around. I enjoy being around people like Blake or people like my assistant Joyce, who always was open to the crazy new ideas that I floated. What I want to talk to you about is that we're all on the curve somewhere, the buy-in curve. Some people love to get on the bandwagon early. They jump on every new idea like a hungry dog and a juicy bone. They're out there waiting for the next big thing. But other individuals, just as valuable in the long run, take a wait-and-see approach. You know, if you wanted to use the analogy of the tortoise and the hare, we need a lot of tortoises, not just the hares, not just the fast rabbits. In fact, we need a lot of faithful followers to get the job done. Both are essential and a part of the equation for successful change. Between the two extremes of the resistors and the early adopters are other kinds of people. So I want to talk to you about the buy-in curve today and about the five kind of people that are on this continuum. If you go to my show notes at hansfinzel.com on podcast 43, you'll see this continuum that goes everywhere from the early adopters to the late bloomers. So let's, uh, let's just unpack these. buy-in curve. And I'm going to start with the early adopters and end up with the late bloomers. Now, every organization has what I call cave people, C-A-V-E. That's the committee against virtually everything. And those people will never adopt an idea, period, ever. Because even beyond the laggers and the holdout are some people who just will never, ever change and will never embrace a new idea. 
As a sidebar, why do some people psychologically embrace change easy and other people find it very hard? I think it's a, it's a product of personality. It's a product of upbringing. You know, my wife Donna and I have lived all over the world. We've taken our children all over the world. We're cross-cultural people. And I think that makes us more flexible and open to change. And I've seen sometimes people can be very provincial if they've always lived in the same place especially if they've always lived in the same house. Sometimes that can work against you. There are personality reasons. There are cultural reasons. There are actually demographic reasons here in the United States why some people embrace change quicker than the other. If I were to ask you what part of the country is the most open to embracing change and which part of the country is most resistant, you would probably not, (laughs) it's not rocket science, that the West Coast seems to be where Silicon Valley is and where there's just a hotbed of innovation and openness to new ideas. But on the East Coast... I'm not saying there aren't any great change agents out there on the East Coast, but I'm saying generally the culture on the East Coast is more reserved and slow to embrace change. They have so much more history, so much more tradition, and the culture and the surroundings of where you are living and where you grew up has a profound effect on how you look at change. Then there's the Midwest. We lived in Chicago for almost a decade, and I love the Midwest. I love Chicagoland, but we found even there people were loyal to a fault, and sometimes it was difficult for them to embrace change. Well, let's look at this buy-in curve. Number one on the left, about 6% of the people are what we call innovators and inventors. They're the yes people. Build on them. They're the foundation for your inner circle of change. They are the idea bank that you use to harvest your new change strategies. They help you cook up the future. They are the people that are pushing you to change even quicker. And those are the innovators and the inventors. Number two in the buy-in curve would be the people who we call the early adopters. That's about 10% of the people. They're not quite as radical as the inventors and the innovators, but they are early adopters. They're ready to jump on the bandwagon. I'm willing to be convinced. These are the first people to get on board when you and your guiding coalition is cooking up a new plan. Treat them well and care for them because they're going to help you get where you want to get to. And then the next group, the third group, in the, again, the buy-in curve, and this would be what we call the early majority. They say, I'll uh, do a gradual buy-in. They are <laughs> Missouri people. I love people from Missouri. It's called the show-me state. And they sit on the fence and they say, show me, but they will be part of the early majority. And, you know, this is not totally scientific, but we're going to say about 34% of the people. They follow the crowd when it seems like it's the right direction. Be patient with this silent majority. There's nothing wrong with following the crowd. This is the great majority of your people who support change once they've been convinced. And more importantly, when they see that others have gone before them, they will not jump in the water first. But they're the ones watching from the bleachers and are pretty quick to adopt once those first two groups have jumped in. Let me just say that questions are so important to address when you're proposing change and you're bringing about change and you're trying to get people to buy in. Don't shut down questions. Don't 
shut down doubt. You know, I learned, uh, I, I led so many big changes in our organization, a relocation from Chicago to Colorado, a change of the way the board operated, a change of the leadership structure, a change of the constitution, a, a name change. And through all those changes, I had to go on this journey of buy-in. And I definitely had my group at the very outset, that inner cadre of people who were the inventors and innovators and the early adopters. But I'm so thankful for the early majority that came along because if you add up the inventors and innovators, the early adopters, and the early majority, you come up with 50%, half the people. So it's so important to understand this group and how important they are as really what becomes your guiding coalition for change. Now, in all those changes I talked about that I led through the years, I had to learn to answer a lot of questions and embrace doubt. The worst thing you can do with these people, especially the early majority who is sitting on the fence, watching what's going on, thinking about whether they're going to respond or not, is to shut down their questions and not answer them. I always found questions to be a great opportunity to win people over. So don't shut them down, but embrace them, embrace doubt, and answer those questions. Number four, the fourth group, another 34%. Uh, These are the late bloomers. I'm somewhat reluctant. These are the people who, once the idea has been mapped out and proven in early beta tests, they're willing to get on board. They are often your valuable process people who want to get a lot of data. Process people, show me the numbers, show me the data. And, you know, you can't live in an organization without process people. You know, we visionaries say, let's climb that mountain, let's cross that river. Uh, The process people ask the question, how? How are we going to get there? Tell me the nuts and bolts. And then the finance people figure out if we've got the money to do it. So, so very important. So these, uh, what we call the uh, late bloomers, don't burn your bridges with these people because hopefully they're going to come along in the long run. As I mentioned to you, I have a secret offer for you, a special offer from my loyal listeners. And if you've gotten this far in the podcast, I hope you'll go to hansfinzel.com slash free book. This is a private website. I'm not publicizing it. And I'm offering a free autographed copy of my book, Changes Like a Slinky, mailed to you with my autograph if you'll fill out this form. And uh, it's just available for the first 25 people who respond. Now, what I'm after is trying to understand you, my listeners, who who is listening to the podcast, who I can help and how I can help you. So you'll have to fill out your name, address, email, etc. And I need your occupation because I'm trying to get that list of all the different kinds of people that are listening. And then at the very bottom of the form, you'll see leadership pain point. Please give me just one of your leadership pain points. That would really be a help. I want to scratch people where they itch. I really want to help you in your leadership. So if you'll go to hansfenzel.com slash free book, the first 25 people who respond will get a free autographed copy of this book from me. Thanks so much. Well, let's get back to the buy-in curve. And finally, you have the group of what I would say 16%, and these are the laggards and the holdouts. They may never get on the program, and they may never embrace the new order of things, the laggards and the holdouts. I have to be careful here because most of these people are relics of yesterday who tend to love life the way it was. They live in the 
past, not in the future. At times, we need to ask these people to get off the bus because they are truly holding us back. I remember having a conversation years ago with our IT uh, director who had been with the organization forever, way back into the old days of big computers that filled up rooms. And it it was very hard, the PC revolution, the smartphone revolution. And I remember one day I brought him into my office and his name was Dan. I said, Dan, I cannot tell you how much we appreciate all you've done for all these years for this organization, but you are fighting us every step of the way at embracing the new. And we have to embrace the new technology. You have to let go of your control and recognize that the PC revolution and the smartphone revolution is putting the power of computing in people's hands. You see, he was a great example of a person who lived in the past and loved the way it used to be. For one thing, in technology and IT, they controlled all the information. And he did not like the feel of the future. But, you know, I had that come to Jesus talk with him that day, and thankfully he responded so positively, and he stayed with the organization until he retired. And he had one of the longest tenures of anybody, and I just appreciate the fact that he was willing to change. But it's a great example that it took a confrontation to make that person change. The laggards and the holdouts. I want to give a word of caution about this this last group of people, the cave people, the committee against virtually everything. I've seen that in business, sometimes it's easy to get rid of those people. Uh, Tom Peters, who's a radical change proponent, uh, suggests you fire these bottom uh, 16% that never get on board with you. Uh, you know, that's brutal, and it might be worth considering. But in the nonprofit world, you know, we don't do that. But you know what we often do? I've seen this especially in churches where pastors are too kind to deal with people who are really human roadblocks to the future. I have a pastor friend of mine who told me that three families that have held his church hostage with their continual resistance. Now, the problem with these three families is that they are huge givers to the budget. And so people are afraid to confront them. And these people continually have this block resisting change, resisting innovation. You cannot cater. You cannot cower to this small percentage of people, 10 to 15%, who are the laggards, who are, again, the committee against virtually everything. So this is what I call the buy-in curve. Where are you in the buy-in curve? Are you a inventor and an innovator? Are you a early adopter? Are you a early majority? Are you a late bloomer? Are you one of those laggards and holdouts? And maybe you should think about it. Am I holding back my team by my attitude uh, if uh, of just generally being against things? You know, George Bernard Shaw said, progress is impossible without change. And those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. We have to learn to change. Which of these groups of people do you gravitate toward? Do you most like being with? For me, I've told you I love being with inventors and innovators and early adopters, visionaries, entrepreneurs, creative people. But just in conclusion, let me say we need all kinds of people in organizations. We do need those visionaries, those early adopters. But we also need those solid people who come along and they do go ahead and adopt and they do say, okay, I'm going to come along. And those people who come along last 
can be some of your most solid people that help you actually build that bridge across that river. So remember, not everybody is in the same place and you have to learn as you lead change to get people to buy in. This has been Hans Finzel. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Answer Man. Remember that leaders make great things happen. We can always take our leadership to the next level. I hope you keep listening and learning and that you go out there this week and make a difference with your leadership.